pay yourself first. And some people might go, oh, well, I do. As soon as I get my paycheck, I go and get something cool that I like and I've been waiting for it. No, 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 no. That's not what paying yourself first is. Paying yourself first is putting some percentage of what you just got in the 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 bank of me. Not buying something, setting aside that money. And this is where inflation comes in. But if you put it in something that isn't stealing from you and can steal from you, but if you do have a savings vehicle that isn't able to be stolen from, then apparently it causes your network to go up. And somebody might say, yeah, that's cool and all, Dell, but your $25 that you've got now could go down to 10 cents. Yeah, it could. It could. But everything about the the laws of nature and reality, and when I check all the nodes that are up and this and that, and the mining and the CC fidelity, it's all pointing in a particular direction. And the direction isn't Bitcoin's about to die. Are you or your loved ones looking to secure and manage your Bitcoin with confidence? The Bitcoin Advisor is your premier destination for professional Bitcoin management, helping you buy, secure and manage your Bitcoin so you can own intergenerational wealth and swim easy. With a reputation built on unparalleled security, strategic planning and comprehensive client education, the Bitcoin Advisor team have managed over $1 billion in assets without losing a single Satoshi since 2016. Whether you're new to Bitcoin or a seasoned investor, the Bitcoin Advisor team are there to guide you every step of the way. So please click on the link below to organize yourself a consultation and include the name Carrie, C-A-R-R-I, in the referral code so that they know that I've sent you their way. Hello and delighted to have with me today Delio, who many of you will have come across in the Bitcoin space. He's well known over here. He's been on many a podcast. He's run his own podcast. He is a magnificent storyteller. He's got a lovely turn of phrase. And before I go on to explain what we're going to be doing today, which is a little bit different from usual, I'd simply like to welcome you aboard to Bitcoin People, Delia. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking a bit about the Wizard of Oz, Elvis, Pokemon, and it's all going to relate. It's all going to come back to, to Bitcoin at the end. Excellent news. Well, I'm really looking forward to it because I love I love your twisted mind. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> sure, of course. You can say whatever you want. I might not agree, but yeah, it's pretty twisted. Fantastic stuff. I think we've all got to be a little bit twisted to be in this space. Yeah. So, Delio, you and I have been in contact since, I don't know, late-ish last year. You ever so kindly contributed a couple of episodes that saw us over the, the Christmas season and that were really well received. So I will refer people back to those with Peter Dunworth and with Brian DeMint. So uh, really enjoyable listening Again, asking really interesting and quirky and unusual questions, and I think that's a big part of why I and so many people love you. So, Delio, we're going to be doing this as more of an education. I'm playing the part of someone being freshly, newly orange-pilled, asking the very, very basic questions. And the one that we're going to start with, and God willing, this will turn into a series and, and we'll... Uh, explore a range of questions over time. But this one is going to be that if I chose to buy or invest in Bitcoin as a, someone new to this, thinking of it as a traditional investment, what exactly is it that I am buying? What is this thing that I have bought? What is this thing? 
Delia, what is this thing that I go to my exchange, I've I've maybe transferred some funds, some some fiat currency to an exchange, I got that far, I've decided mm-hmm. I want a small piece of the action, I want to allocate a small part of my portfolio. What is it that I've just bought? Yeah, well, we're going to get to answering that question a little bit later because I think we need to, as I, I said, uh, kind of towards the beginning, we got to sneak up on that answer. And I think that once you have spent many, many hours like you and I have in the Bitcoin space, you realize that there isn't really one answer to answer any particular question. There are so many different paths that you can go down to, whether you're talking about the energy aspect or the monetary aspect. It's it's just as big as people refer to rabbit's hole or rat's nest. It's just this yeah. big spidering thing. Like if you ever see um, some of those pictures that come out of the National Geographic or these different researcher scientists when they are researching uh, ant mines, uh, ant colonies, they, they sometimes will pour uh, concrete down there and they pull out this thing. And it, what looks like a single hole or maybe a couple holes where the ants come and go is this massive network. Yeah. And Bitcoin is that way. You go, oh, it's just this. No, it's not just that. So to answer what it is you're buying when you go and you purchase some Bitcoin is complicated. Because I think what a lot of people run into is hey, if I go and I purchase some gold, I go to the pawn shop, I buy a gold bracelet, I can see that. I can hold that. I have this thing in my hand. Or if I buy a fancy Zippo lighter, then I've got that. If I buy this one-of-a-kind sports memorabilia, a, a, a jersey signed by my favorite player, I can understand these things because these are physical, tangible things. I can interact with it. I can I can feel that fabric, maybe even smell some of that player's sweat on there and oh I wonder I wonder which game this he 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 last wore this on or maybe even know maybe you know it was the 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 last jersey that he wore before he retired and walked off out of the stadium or whatever the case is. So these are things that we interact with. We interact with with tangible things on a regular basis. We we know tangible things. We see each other. You're a tangible being even though you're thousands of miles away in a completely different country over oceans and land. I, I can see you and I am pretty confident that with enough travel time that you and I can meet each other and shake hands and, oh, you're there you are, you're another tangible being. So we understand the tangible in a real clear way because we interact with it so much. I'm trying to make that real clear because so many people are like, well, if I buy gold, I have this gold and at the very least, I've got a paperweight. It can do that. Or people always, uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes will refer to the, the phrase intrinsic value. Nothing has intrinsic value. Truly, nothing has value baked into it. it. That just isn't the case. It is not as though when people first found gold, it's like, oh, we know what this thing is. No, uses were found for that gold, whether it was like, oh, I like the color of it or, and I like the weight of it. Oh, and look, it you can melt it and you can reform it and it's basically the same thing. You can do this over and over and over. This is a pretty useful metal for different reasons and it's also kind of hard to find and it's it's rare, so it, we, it, we, it kind of became a money over time. But it, it wasn't just oh, gift from God, this is this is money, and everybody just knows that when they see it. So, I, ju- yeah, go ahead. Just if, if I can just further to your point, I think that's right. People find the tangibility, and I'm going to stick in the same basket as your gold analogy, real estate. Sure, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and there's two parts about it. There, it's tangible. And mm-hmm. then there's the utility factor. Yeah, absolutely. So people will often refer to gold and refer to its industrial usage, even mm-hmm. though um, 
it's the value proposition of gold is about the scarcity, not the utility, because silver is much more useful. Many metals are much more useful, but yep. because they're not scarce, they have never risen to the top of the pile yep. as far as um, a useful medium of exchange is concerned. And what we saw in, say, 2008 was that property, to your point about no intrinsic value, is that property has no intrinsic value if nobody wants to buy it. Right. So you can't tell me, this is a conversation I've just had with a couple of people recently about the volatility of it. And I look at the volatility of gold over time, uh, over the, a long time. If you'd bought in, what was it, something like 2011 through till 2021 or something, it, you, you halved in value. With mm -hmm. Amazon, you halved in value from, and I'm going away now a little bit from the point that you're making, halved over the year from 21 to 22, over that 12-month period. So I think we need to address somewhere along the line, I absolutely want to just let you go, but what's going on for me is questions that I've had over Christmas and New Year around utility and volatility Mm -hmm. as well as tangibility. I, and I think tangibility and utility in particular are related. And then volatility because people see that other tangible, utilizable assets don't appear to be as volatile. So yeah. I'd love to get to that over the course of the conversation. That might be a little bit beyond my wheelhouse and talking about the actual numbers behind the stuff, but we can try to. Yep. The reason I was making the distinction of the the physical things and why that's so easy for us as humans to understand is because humans are really bad conceptualizing ideas that we cannot interact with. It's really, really hard for us to even conceptualize the idea of a black hole or a wormhole in space. People try to visualize in in, in it like in a movie what a what a wormhole would look like. But imagining a three-dimensional hole that you go in from any angle and it pops out somewhere else in space is it just looks like a weird orb every time it's represented on uh, on on the on the screen or or in comic books or whatever and maybe that's what it would look like if we were to see one but i don't think anybody's ever actually seen a wormhole so actually it, it's it's a mathematical thing to, to my knowledge i don't think anybody's actually been in front of a wormhole and been presented with a choice oh do i jump in there or do i not um maybe but that's a really hard thing to conceptualize. I imagine you and many people have seen these different scale things where it's like, oh, here's a dollar, and then it goes to a stack of $100 or a $100 bill, and then a bunch of, of the files, and then we zoom all the way out to a trillion dollars or $100 trillion, and it looks like a, a container ship or this giant thing. If you ask somebody, what what does $100 trillion look like stacked up versus a $100 bill? It, it's really hard to like numbers once they get to those bigs and you can go even bigger, like let, multiply that by a, a, another trillion. This is just it just gets weird and unwieldy in our heads. And the reason I'm saying all this is because Bitcoin is a lot of things at the same time. And that's where our mind just kind of goes like, OK, it's money, but it's also this investment, but it's also the product of energy being deployed in all these different parts of the world. So what what is it? And that is the question I've gotten a lot of times when people ask about Bitcoin. It's like, well, what am I buying? Is it effectively numbers? Well, kind of. And that's why I mentioned Elvis and Wizard of Oz and all of that. So I've got notes written down here. That's why I'm looking down. 
Gold, this is what I wrote down here, gold is simple. It's a heavy rock we can hold. Being physical makes it easier to understand we can interact with the physical a bit, but physical is nowhere near as important. Now we have to move track a little bit. The physical things in our lives don't matter nearly, nowhere near as much as the intangible things. Let me give you an example. If you go to a funeral and it's an open casket funeral, are people mourning the loss and the slow decay of that body that is inevitably going to happen when it's put in the ground? Not really. I guess it's kind of sad. But you're mourning the loss of the person that inhabited that body, an intangible thing. That person is gone. When they're dead, that person is gone. What matters the most about the people that you love is who they are, not the bodies that they inhabit. We can learn to love people that have all sorts of maladies and deformities and one person that you thought was beautiful and then had some horrible accident you still as much in love with them if not even more because they're courageous and you know, soldiers all the time they come back from war zones and they get burn scars and missing legs but they're still that person we don't go oh you're less of a person i'm I imagine you're familiar with the the ship of thesis thought experiment take a ship out of the the ocean i think it was actual ship a greek ship maybe Take it out of the ocean. Here it is. We want to remember the ship we put in the museum. Ah, but this board is rotted. We got to replace the board. Okay, you replace the board. No big deal. Okay, now you do that again and again and again. And eventually the entire thing's been completely replaced and refurbished. So is it still the same ship? I don't know. If you replace your fingernails, you paint them, you change this, you change that, you cut your hair, you, you lose your hair, heaven forbid, and you have to wear a wig. Are you still Carrie? I think most people would say, yeah, of course so. You, you, this, you make all these changes. Is it still the same person? I'm going to make the argument that, yeah, you could lose your limbs. You could lose all this. It's a, it's an age old thought experiment, but the thing that matters isn't the components that make you now, what the hell does this have to do with Bitcoin? I'm making all this point because it isn't that it's a intangible thing. That is some big detractor that doesn't really matter. So now we need to move on a little bit. And I wrote this down. People can kick and scream all they want, but the value of a thing has much less to do with the physical and far more to do with the intangible as I just oh, outlined. And now we can get on to Elvis and the Wizard of Oz and all that. And the reason I mentioned that at the first place, why does a, a pair of ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz sell for, I don't know, $2 million at some Sotheby's auction when you can probably find or manufacture the same damn slippers or practically identical, probably in better condition, probably something with better soles, whatever. Even if you want to make a rep replica, you could probably do it for less than a hundred bucks. I, I imagine probably less than 50 even. If you want to get a, a lightsaber, a, a prop that looks like a handle of a lightsaber from Star Wars, you could do it for a lot less than that's going to sell at auction for, for I think it's something like $500,000, the original one that, that Mark Hamill held as Luke Skywalker in the movies. So it's not the metal that makes these things important. It's not the components that the that the people made. It's not even the antique value. Oh, look, this the stainless steel that was created in the shape of whatever or what a workshop down in your part of the world making all this armor and 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 weapons for the Lord of the Rings movies. Are they valuable because what a workshop made them? Not really. They're valuable if you had the sword that uh, um Aragorn held, I'm blanking on his, his actual name, but whatever in the movies or Sting, Frodo, if you if you had the actual props from those movies, they would be valuable because of the connection that they had to those movies and the legacy of Tolkien in those books and all those things. And that was the one held by Elijah Wood or certain comics. It's the first one. 
So all of these things matter and they have these enormous value price tag to them. The, the Mona Lisa, it's valued at something like over a billion dollars. You could get a replica of, a, of the Mona Lisa right now on Amazon for probably $3. It framed for 15 I imagine. Not not a billion dollars. You could get, you could fill your entire house, wallpaper your walls with Mona Lisa replicas for a, a minute fraction of the cost of owning the Mona Lisa. Not that it's even for sale. It's never going anywhere. It's going to stay in the Louvre forever, probably, or whatever, move to some other museum. But it's not going to be in somebody's private collection unless it already is. And that's a replica. But that's a whole another different rabbit hole. The point that I'm trying to make here is that these things have value not because of the, the ink that was used or the metal that was used. They have value because of the things that they're connected to. These, these distillations of, of thousands upon thousands of man hours of creativity and work that went into creating the Lord of the Rings movies or, or, or the Star Wars movies or all, all of the people that went to see Elvis and now you could purchase one of his jackets that he wore, wore on stage for some thousands of dollars. It matters, and you want that jacket, assuming you're a massive Elvis fan, because it was worn by this person, not because it looks exactly like that and it is effectively the same thing, ship of thesis again, and you got it off of a, a thrift store rack for $10. Oh, look, it's the same thing. Like all the people that are doing the Elvis impersonations often in Vegas aren't wearing, in most cases, Elvis's actual clothes that he wore when he was per performing. They're wearing some a knockoff, if you will. They're wearing something that's that's other than that. It's something like it. Yeah, or, exactly. Or similar to. Exactly. So let's just tie this back to Bitcoin for a moment, if you don't yep. mind, and yep. this issue of tangibility. Because I think the point is well made that it's not necessarily something being tangible. So this is what you're saying to me, yep. is the tangibility of something is not what gives it its value. Correct. Is that what we're finding? And, and yes. what we are saying is giving it its value is um, either in some cases the emotion, the sentiment, or the love, or the yeah, in the mm -hmm. case of someone's passing. Yep. Um, in the case of someone who's still alive, it's their personality and their soul rather than their physical, tangible body, which yep. uh, I believe our cells change every seven years anyway. Our entire body is new cellular structure every seven years. So uh, clearly it's not the body. And we're also saying even with tangible objects, it's to do with the meaning of those objects rather than the objects themselves. So yep. we're talking about meaning, emotion. That, so your point is that it's not fundamentally leaving aside what it is we are valuing, what you're saying is what it isn't. Right. Is yeah. Tangibility, yeah, that's yeah. that's where we're getting to here. Yeah, I was trying yeah? to make a shelf there so we can go. Look, here's all these things that we can agree on. That every, no nobody's going to say that the if I go to a, a, a local metal supplier and put a, a, a some piece of metal of stock steel on a lathe and cut it into the shape, the exact same shape, the exact same specifications as Luke's lightsaber that I should be able to go around and sell and be like, look, this is, I, I, I can sell this. Why don't I get $450,000 for it? I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that I'm lying. I'm saying, no, I made this five minutes ago on my lathe. Here it is a CNC machine. It's cut. It's exact same thing. I want $450,000 for it. People are like, well, that's not the one that Mark Hamill held. 
Okay, but it's the same thing. It's it's not the same. No, it is. It's the same weight. It feels identical in the hand. If you did a blind test, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference at all. It smells the same. It feels the same. You can lick it. It tastes the same. It's the same damn thing. It's not the same. Well, why isn't the same? One was held by Mark Hamill over the course of multiple movies. One was made by you five minutes ago. So, well, back to the intangible. If I swap out Carrie with Jane, the person... But that's that's very different. That's same body. <laughs> well, it's not the body that matters. It's the person that's inside the body. It's the soul of the thing. And the soul of these various things are way bigger than the thing itself. So now we can come around to money. Why is some money, what is the soul of the U.S. dollar? The soul of the U.S. dollar is the most oppressive, tyrannical, bend you over, and screw you every which way that the world has ever seen, and nobody even comes close. And when you have the soul of that in your money, it's just going to stomp all over anybody else that tries to even come close to you. Well, that's going to be a pretty dominant money. What do we see across the world? The U.S. dollar being a pretty dominant money. So it's not that our paper is the best paper, and the reason that the U.S. dollar is so strong and so powerful is because people like green shapes and in, in, in rectangles with old people on them that has nothing to do with it it's not the arrangement of the words or the flowery motifs that are on the sides that has nothing to do with it at all the intrinsic value of a dollar if you remove the soul of the u.s empire from it if you drain that and you just find this piece of paper monopoly money for example forget mon monopoly money something that somebody created just five minutes ago it's got somebody else's face on it that has no soul in it. It is just this thing that somebody made and it doesn't do anything for you other than be really bad note paper because it's already filled up with a bunch of ink. Like it's, it's, I guess you could use it for your backside and if you're in a pinch, but that's not going to be very comfortable. It's, it's just, it's not really worth much of anything. So trying to claim that these various things have intrinsic value is absurd. They don't. They have value because of, in some cases, thousands of years of history poured into them and that is what has the value this is a physical manifestation of that intangible thing it's come down through the ether and is embodied in this thing and that's why it has value and simply because the government tells you to tells well you tells that you that you this particular you know, thing yeah this version yes exactly um, yeah and, and supposedly so I would suggest that the argument I would most commonly hear about that would be a, it's backed by government and Bitcoin isn't backed by anything. Mm -hmm. So just so we understand, I think typically most people understand it has no intrinsic value, but because of that idea of it's backed by government, that yeah. seems to be people trust that. And for the time, it, it's just such a big paradigm shift, mm -hmm. I think, to get away from money backed by government is how it is. Yeah. The same way the air I breathe is whatever the air, you know, the, the oxygen and mix in the air. We've got the water that we drink. It's just money is people just assume that's what money is. It's paper currency that we understand is a social construct and is just paper, but it's backed by government. That's the big pushback. 
you could. Can I way- ask you to respond to that? It's probably not where you originally wanted to go because no, I no, know it's, you've it's got- great. It, that's a, that's yeah. a really good little kind of side tangent. It, the way I would reframe what you just said there, being backed by government, not not that that, that is what it is. Yes, and people say that all the time. I've heard that everybody's heard it. It's backed by the U.S. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Backed by Australia. Backed by Japan. Whatever the country is. Okay, but what does that mean? To me, what I hear is. It's backed by the person telling the most, it's not even the best story. It's, it, this is backed by a story and the person telling that story has the biggest guns to say, believe my story. So if you is have it? the biggest guns, if you have all of the nukes pointed at somebody's head and say, believe my story, if you don't, I pull the trigger. Oh, I, you can play that game if you want to, but it's not going to go real well for you. If that person truly means we'll pull the trigger, and from what I've learned from reading about history, the U.S. is more than happy to pull the trigger as much as possible to get their will done. They will impose their will on whoever, however, it does not matter. There is kind of this underlying rule I've learned about the CIA where you don't mess with the CIA. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want, anywhere that they want, and nobody It doesn't matter what they're like above all of the laws. No jurisdictional laws apply to them anywhere on the planet whatsoever. And so when you have that kind of power to run around and do whatever you want, and that is the power, physical power, actual people with real guns, with lead bullets that will make you very dead. And they're more than happy to use those bullets with those very real guns in their very real hands that will end you. It'll end your physical body, but it'll end you. The soul that's within that body just deletes you from existence. When you have an empire willing to do that and able to do that, because I'm sure there's a lot of different empires and different countries around the world that'd be more than happy to do that, but they just can't because they're tiny and they're they just they didn't they 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 weren't there at Bretton Woods and in, in, in uh when when that went down after World War II. So this is all to say that the person with the story that the, is able to impress that story and force that story on other people is the one that's gonna well be able to force that story onto other people. The problem the problem with the story is that it is intangible and that it is actually just a story. And if you can poke a hole through a story well, then it starts to fall apart. And the the biggest thing that a story runs up against that it can't compete with because it's in a completely different domain is the tangible. So what is a story that's intangible? How does it affect the tangible? Well, it has to influence tangible actors, people. that You get an idea, it memifies, and you've got this idea of you've got people imposing the story's will on other people. That's what you've got with the U.S. government. Well, what is Bitcoin? What is the story of Bitcoin? How does that work? It just is. It doesn't need a story. It doesn't have anybody imposing a story. It just is. The story is that it works and it keeps on going. It keeps on growing. But at the end of the day, there's nobody imposing Bitcoin on anybody. There isn't anybody going around saying you have to do this. It just is because it is. It's like the story of rocks. What's the story of rocks? They just they're there. If the, if you don't like a mountain, it doesn't care that you don't like it. You can't will it away. You can go out there, and I guess you could say that you're you're you can impose your will upon the mountain with a shovel. But then now you're interacting with it with it tangibly. You can get a bunch of bulldozers and dynamite, and you, you can eventually get rid of that mountain. Absolutely, sure, because you have some story that the mountain shouldn't be there. I don't want the mountain there. Okay, you can eventually remove it. But Bitcoin, just like the rocks, 
the the amount of effort that would that it would take to delete Bitcoin from existence would be far greater than it would be for um, somebody to remove a mountain because the mountain doesn't have anybody really rooting for it. Maybe maybe if people started wearing away the mountain, you'd get some environmental groups out there saying, "No, please leave the mountain alone." You, you that, that would probably happen. But with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is this weird amorphous thing so if you're people if it's being attacked over here it'll just kind of shrink away but then make itself stronger over here where it's safe and then if it detects danger over here it'll shrink away from there and then it'll pop up over here it, it just keeps on moving and i think it's uh steven lubka that talks about it being kind of um like a um, a fungus like a mushroom type thing it's this living thing and there's there's a lot of similarities there um so it is a physical thing because it needs energy and the people to bring it into existence. I mean, Satoshi Nakamoto was somebody, unless it was an AI or an alien, but whatever. This is kind of a pointless conversation there. Some entity of some form brought this into existence somehow. And it is code. That's a physical thing. You interact with code with a computer. So there is an overlap. There is, there is some bleed through into the tangible world. Uh, we just saw... The intangible thing that is Bitcoin, it, I can't go out and pick up a Bitcoin. I can't find it in the ground. But we saw this intangible thing having a direct influence on thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe more people's lives today as we watch people waiting. Like, is the ETF? Is that the news? Oh, then there was a thing that popped up, but then it, it fell away because the SEC can't figure out technology to save their lives. And then it is. It is no, this is approved. And this is going through. And finally, towards the end of the day, yes, there it is. It, it's got approved and trading apparently is going to begin tomorrow. So who knows what will happen there? Once people are watching this, I guess you'll know what happened, but I have no idea. But that is an intangible thing. Apparently, apparently it's completely intangible having this massive effect on a lot of very tangible people's lives and in changing their course, forcing their fingers to hit refresh, pull down on their phone, reload, what did it happen, going to this. Like physical actions are happening because of this intangible thing that is brought into exist existence by tangible things. So when people say, oh, it doesn't have any intr intrinsic value or it's not tangible, you're right and you're wrong. Bitcoin itself, like the 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 numbers that you're moving here and the, the when you're putting in a, an address, that is intangible. I can't hold those things. But the reason it exists is for very tangible reasons. The people that put up the mining machines and go to the places and harness that energy, you can't tell me. And anybody that's been hit in the head or bonked or hurt or felt pain ever in their lives knows that energy is a very real thing. Kinetic energy is what causes the world to turn. Like, that's why we're here. There's sun, there's energy. And that is also what brings Bitcoin into existence, not just a story imposed by people's will. Okay, so I'm going to come back to my devil's advocate stance for a moment, if you don't mind. I really like this line of thought. The, I'm going to come right back to where I was around government, and we know governments are the ones with the biggest guns forcing the story. Yeah. Having said that, up till now, there's never been an alternative but to use money. Of, of you know, in our recent history, in our yeah. lifetimes. Yeah. It, yeah. Clearly, there were private currencies before that, and so on and so forth, yeah. and commodity currencies. So, so. In our lifetime, that is all that we have had to use to interact with. And there's been no deep reason to doubt 
it and its usefulness or to need to imagine something different. Except for the small pockets of people. I mean, going back to Andrew Jackson's hard money men, you know, throughout history, there's been people who have tried to advocate. I'm I'm still listening. It takes me ages to get through a book. Uh, But I'm listening to the audio book of Creature from Jekyll Island and the history of people who have fought for hard money and pushed back against the system. And it is the hill that they have died on or they have been willing to die on if they didn't die on it, but some indeed did die on it. And you... Uh, and then if you go to the Rothbart five volumes that we heard Saifedean and Sailor uh, discuss online together recently, and that's five volumes of history of men fighting for liberty and failing. So it seems, I think, and I'm feeling really fresh into the uh, devil's advocate mindset or the skeptic's mindset at the moment because I've just come out of Christmas and New Year and I've mixed with people, uh, you know, who are very traditional and very conservative. And I don't mean that yeah. in the political um, sense. I mean that in the traditional use of the word, small c conservative. Uh, and so what um, – And I want to separate out two groups of people. So for those who have done very well in the fiat system and who already have intergenerational wealth, why would I bother? It's too volatile for me. I'd rather stick to traditional investments. They're doing me just fine. Thank you very much. They're outstripping inflation. My asset inflation is greater than the consumer inflation. No skin off my nose. I haven't got a problem with it. And then you've got everybody else who's so busy just struggling, they don't have the time to be thinking about the fact that this esoteric idea that the government has got a gun to my head telling me that I have to use money. I don't care. That just seems theoretical to me. I'm feeding my kids. I I just, it's, it's, I don't get the point of the conversation of tangibility versus intangibility and government um, uh, threatened story versus voluntary usage of a, a, a of a new commodity or a new asset. So I, I'm not quite sure what the question is that I'm forming out of this other than, I mean, clearly I'm a Bitcoiner, I agree with you, but if I put on my, my skeptic hat, I'm going... It's all well and good. I I hear what you're saying, that the government's got a gun to my head, but A, I've got no option, and B, that doesn't impact me day to day. Well, it doesn't feel like it impacts me day to day because I don't even think of inflation as government created. So I don't think of cost of living issues as being a, a government problem. So unless we go down the traditional Bitcoin route of explaining money printing and Uh, currency debasement, talk to me about why this issue of valuing intangible assets is important, valuing something that that is energy, that's generated from energy and then bleeds over, I love that expression, into the physical world. Why is that important for me to understand? It's not 
actually. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be like, whoa, wait, what did he just say? I'm, I'm really not. But something that my wife will tell you that I've done and, and will probably continue to do is take an interest in something. I've done this multiple times throughout my relationship with her, my the years of marrying her. I've gotten into jujitsu. I've gotten into various card games. I've gotten into Bitcoin. I've gotten into cycling. At one point, we were very seriously considering cycling across the country. We had all the gear for it. And each time I have gotten into whatever one of these hobbies is, one of these interests, let's, let's not even say a hobby, interest, shooting, guns, this or that, whatever, any, any, all kinds of things, you realize that there are enormous, enormous worlds behind anything that you could possibly be interested in. I mean, if it's bookbinding, there's an entire universe of people that are into bookbinding and the best threads and the best glues, acid-free this and how to hold the, the book and do that, that you would be just have zero idea about until you started and going looking into that. Cooking, cooking specific things, cooking pastries. And Bitcoin is just another one of those things of thousands upon thousands of things that exist to they, they exist and, and are, are potential avenues for your time invested. And for most people, they're just not going to. And that's that's just how it is. That that that's I, I, I can't say how somebody out there should use their time. I can't I, I'm it's not for me to say what somebody should be interested in. I do think it's a shame that our public school systems or modern school systems don't do more about explaining what money is and how it works. I, I just think that if you're interacting with this stuff on a near daily basis for most people over the age of five, like you're probably interacting with money in some form or fashion, whether it's off to school and here's your lunch money or this or that, or you need some money to trade with your friend because he's got Pokemon cards, but you don't have enough cards that he wants. And so you got to give him $3. Like, you're going to be around money. You're going to be at the, like, I see little kids at the, at the retail store that I walk up and they want to hold the card because they know that this magic piece of plastic gets the guy behind the counter to let me leave with the stuff that I want. Like, they don't really understand anything more than that. And it makes a fun beep sound when I hold it over this specific spot on the register. But uh, why? I don't know. For the longest time, I think it was even into the teens, honestly. I mean, this is really sad. It's kind of pathetic, but I had no idea why I got change. I just I give I give the cashier some money and I get some back. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. I don't I don't have a clue why. And I get some stuff. Uh, hooray! Like, what? Why was it three dollars this time? And why was it twelve dollars last time? Well, last time the stuff that you bought cost more, and you gave them a twenty. And the time before it cost four dollars, and you gave them a five. Like that that that's why. Oh wait, what math? I I just had no idea. So for most people. The idea of looking into Bitcoin is like asking them to look into yet another stock. Why? Why is this one different? Why is that different? It's another investment vehicle. And I just don't have enough hours in the day to go and and put research and, and time in, into this stuff. Like, yeah, OK, you can send the people the, the okay. podcast and this and that. I, I, I tried to appeal to people that I know that know me on a, on a personal way. Coworkers, like I'm not best friends with them. I'm not hanging out with them on a regular basis or anything, but these are the people that I see weekly, like multiple times a week. And I made them dollar, uh, not, not dollars. Um, I made them offers in dollar offers that 
they could not possibly lose money. There was zero chance of losing money. I said, buy up to $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, hold it onto it for a year. If you don't want it, I'll buy any amount off of you up to $1,000, no matter what it's gone down to. I don't care if it goes all the way that you bought a, let's say, just to keep real numbers real simple, a, a, a thousand sats for a thousand dollars. The price of Bitcoin, I know, would be astronomically high at that point. But let's just say that's what it was. And then it drops all the way down to a point where it's it's half that. I would still buy it off you because my conviction of what Bitcoin is, I don't really care. And to, because I was also confident that with this was like eight months ago at this point that I started making these offers. Like once the halving comes and ETFs were still being talked about, like, oh, it might be confirmed. I thought it's going to go like it's going to do stupid things. I told people just the other day, I said, I'm pretty sure these ETFs are going to get confirmed the next day. You, this might be the last time that you can buy Bitcoin under 50,000. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get another $10 or something like all right. Okay. All right. But the, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm relishing, but then also kind of dreading if, if tomorrow, like the price doubles, let's say it just skyrockets to six, or maybe not even doubles, but 60, 55, maybe, maybe breaks the all time high, goes up to 75,000. How did you know, Dell? How did you know? Well, I didn't know at no point did I know, but after 1500 odd hours of books and podcasts and listening to people drastically smarter than myself, I, I, I kind of got an idea, a picture painted. And I, I dabbled, not monetarily, dabbled in looking into what these other garbage coins, the poo coins were all about. And I realized, like, it's just a, a bunch of nonsense. So to answer your question, why should somebody look into it? I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't tell you why somebody should look into it. I think a lot of people look back at these years and go like, oh my goodness, if only I'd listened to that guy that told me about it or this or that. It's like, you can only sit there and, and tell somebody so many times before you go, you know what, you, you got to find it on your own. And I think the vast majority of people in Bitcoin, okay, I, actually, I don't know about that. I was going to say the vast majority of people in Bitcoin are curious people, contrarian type people that see a problem and they want to fix. But I don't know that that's true. I think that is a percentage of people in Bitcoin for sure. Somebody like you, myself, they go, okay, there's a problem here. And is there a solution? I, I, I don't know. But Bitcoin seems like a pretty good answer. But I actually think most people that are in Bitcoin, like the vast majority are in it for the number go up aspect like that nobody likes to be stolen from. And once you realize how the current monetary system works is stealing from you and you're losing money over time. What I heard people telling me, like this is just even a few years ago, like pretty recently when home prices were really high. Oh, you, that's the, what you got to do. You got to you got to get it, get a home. This is, it's a great investment. I, I would just my wife and I would run the numbers and I'm in the Pacific Northwest where a starter home, if you're lucky, is half a million dollars. I mean, we, we play a game every time we pass a place in, in the neighborhood or surrounding neighborhoods and we see a home for sale, we'll go up to the for sale sign and like get take a guess. OK, oh, we, we often are we low? Um, I don't know. One point two million. No, that one's one point seven for seventeen hundred square feet. It's got an OK view, I guess. But like, what is it? I, we we're, like I said, we'd run the numbers like we would be paying this off into our 80s if we were making the same kind of money or, or on this trajectory. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know who's buying these things, Amazon executives or people, Microsoft people, I guess, considering where I work. But 
there's got to be another way. And if there's not, and I'm like, I, I was also willing to accept that I'm just royally screwed. Is my life where I'm just going to be on this hamster wheel of going to work to make ends meet, to live paycheck to paycheck? Is that it? If that's the answer, then I, if, if, if that's what I have to accept, then I guess I, I guess I have to accept it. But I'm going to keep looking and looking to see if there's another answer. Real estate's not it. That's clearly not an option for me. Not not in the neck of the woods that I'm at. Maybe somewhere else. But then if you buy somewhere else where it's drastically cheaper, there's a reason it's cheaper. Like there's probably no jobs around there and nobody else and no city and no town to speak of. So why buy there in the first place? Oh, I'm hoping for the, the big move. Maybe Amazon will build a giant headquarters there in the middle of nowhere. Why would why, so all these factors. So when I found Bitcoin and it started to make sense, you can do research, blah, 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 blah. Long story short. Oh, OK, this like I've said many times. I don't know that Bitcoin is the answer. I really don't. But it's the best answer that I've seen thus far to a problem that I know for a fact exists. I know that the current monetary system where the government steals from you and says, like they come out, our goal is to steal from you 2% a year. That's the aim that we're trying to get. We're trying to get down to a theft to be 2% a year. Right now we're stealing from you at more like well, whatever we claim, 5%, whatever they make numbers they make up. And that's, we know that you're noticing that. And we, we don't like it when you notice that we're stealing from you at an accelerated rate. So we're going to try and steal from you a little bit less so that you go back to just kind of letting us out. steal from you and not being upset about it. This episode of Bitcoin People proudly brought to you by BitRefill, your one-stop shop for living on Bitcoin and Lightning and building out the Bitcoin economy and this Bitcoin world we would all love to see come to fruition. They've got all the best gift cards like Amazon, Apple, Bunnings, Airbnb, Uber and much more. They've got Coles and Woolies for your groceries, bill fairies to pay your bills, BP and Ampol for your petrol. You can do your hotel bookings or top up your phone credit or buy a gift or phone credit for a friend or loved one overseas. So check them out today, bitrefill.com, and remember to put Bitcoin people in the referral code for 10% Bitcoin back on your first purchase. Okay, let me ask, ask you this. So uh, I just want to kind of, again, recap where we're at so far. So we value things that are intangible. Yes. As much as tangible. In fact, you could more so imply that it's the intangible <laughs> aspect that we actually value more. Yep. Um, then we got to uh, maybe it's why should I be interested? And we said you don't have to be. Yeah, Maybe it's just an interest or a hobby like anything else. But where we've also got to is we've got guns pointing at us from the government <laughs> in terms of stealing taxes, yeah. but also stealing from us via inflation. And we've got the gun to our, our head saying you have to use mm -hmm. a money source, a, a currency, a medium of exchange, and you have to be paid in this thing and you mm -hmm. can't use anything else because we can steal from you via inflation consistently over time. So we'll pretend to be overtly stealing from you via taxes, but we've also got the gun to your head having to use fiat money to steal from you via inflation as well. So both of them. Uh, violence related. Yeah. So we've got that. So, and we're establishing that Bitcoin is a potential solution to that. So we've talked about what Bitcoin kind of isn't. It isn't a tangible thing, albeit it's it's a, you know, it's generated by energy and it bleeds over into our physical actions and impacts us in the real world. What is it? 
We know what it isn't. We know what the problem is. What is it? How do we describe what this physical thing is, or physical, non-physical thing is, that I'm investing in? How would you put that? I, yeah, that's a such a complicated question, but I, I, I guess the way that I would look at it, it, let me say real quick the way that I would have answered that probably, I don't know, 20 minutes ago maybe, or even a few days ago, is that it's the best form of money that we've ever had. Okay, cool, Dell. That, wow, wow, what a great answer. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, what, okay, what am I supposed to do that? What I would say is that, like we talked about, the various tangible things having value because of the the soul that they have, that the connection, the history that they that they have. I would say it's kind of the inverse for Bitcoin. So it's there was this idea that he Satoshi has this, this white paper comes out with an idea. Hey, maybe this will work. Maybe what do you guys think? I, and some people kind of met middling reviews. Eh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's all that great. Well, I'm gonna give it physical form. I'm get to, I'm getting to your answer here. I'm gonna try and keep this short. Give it physical form by starting to mine this on my home computer and then help. And he's like, hey, I'll, I'll, that seems like a pretty neat idea. I, too, will put some tangible components into the game here. I'm going to put some some skin in the game, some tangible skin. Oops, sorry. Um, and and we're, now, now we're mining together. Now it's a network of two. I, I guess the first time that the network appeared, you can't really have a network of one. So there's the network. Now you have this conversation happening between those two computers. You've got this network and then it starts spidering out from there. And then you have this groundswell of this thing. It's an it's a bottom up arrival. Now, what Bitcoin is, I would say to answer your question is it is. It's energy turned into something that you can actually trade. And there's only so much energy in the universe. And this is kind of taking a portion of that energy, let's say there's a hundred energy in the universe that we, the sun, it comes, it can't be created or destroyed. There just is that amount of energy in the universe. Well, Bitcoin comes along. It's not creating, it's not destroying it, but it's sort of just taking one of the hundred energy and going, this energy is locked away for this specific usage. And never before have we been able to do that with energy. The wind turns the turbines and gives us some energy and it pumps the water and fills the cow troughs and the cows drink the water and then they go out in the, the field and they do their thing and the cow gets slaughtered and then we eat the cow and we get some of the energy and on the circle of life, kumbaya, whatever. But never before has that energy been locked into something. You could say, oh, it's been locked into gold. Not really, because the gold has moved around. It's a t tangible thing. You can't really have a, a tangible thing if it's not taking up energy. Like it's it's moving around. You're using it as paperweight. It's over here. It's energy. It's, a, it's locked away in a safe. And there's a safe. There's energy holding the safe closed. So it's it's still utilizing. The energy is still flowing and it's moving. It's not locked away. But with Bitcoin, it's locked away. It, it It's stuck. Once the energy goes into the ASIC miner and then produces a Bitcoin, it's gone. It's, it's there. That's what it is. And to move it around, you have to tap in to use a little bit more energy to move around. But the only way that that can come into being the Bitcoin, one of the 21 million, is if requisite energy goes into its creation. So I guess it's tradable energy in a way that hasn't really been, we've been able to trade before. Like it's just pure energy in a tradable form, I, I guess, which... Like if someone to say, well, what am I actually buying when I buy Bitcoin? Oh, you're buying tradable energy. 
what am I supposed to do with that answer? I, I, I don't know. Listen to the, the first 40 minutes of this and maybe we'll get you there. <laughs> I, I really like that. I've been thinking, I've just been thinking about, I don't understand battery technology very well. Yeah, me but either. But it really, it's, it's just that, isn't it? It's like I do my labor and I can store my labor either in a an asset, a currency, a battery that is bleeding out, mm-hmm. or I can store my spent labor energy in a battery that is locked up and doesn't bleed out my energy all over the place and that is that maintains or increases the power of that energy over time but it certainly doesn't deplete it so you know i go through my life i've got a certain amount of hours and energy every day i put in what i can I then store that energy in my battery wall for a period of time um, and hope to God the energy is still there when I need it down the track. Yeah. And in the fiat system, it's not. And in the Bitcoin system, it is. Yeah. Because as you say, that's locked away into a block that can never be that can never be broken and can never be stolen from and isn't going to bleed out yeah imagine an old-timey prospector he's out there in the in the the river he's got his little pan he's he's trying to get some gold he's sifting around and he finds some nuggets of gold so it's a great it's a great day for him he's expended his energy his time to go out there and try and find this gold well if he learns that the big giant corporate gold mine up the way different part of the country whatever has just uncovered the largest vein of gold ever it's probably going to reduce his gold value by some amount if if people are just start finding gold all over the place they're finding gold finding gold finding gold then his nugget that was worth so much on tuesday but then five billion pounds of gold was found on a friday his his nugget of gold isn't going to seem so precious anymore. They're like, well, it was one of one piece of gold that I knew about, aside from whatever existed at currently. But now it's whatever existed, plus my nugget of gold, plus the extra five gob tons of gold that the, the giant enterprises found over there. So it's uh, it definitely lost some value. I think that's why a lot of people get confused when they hear that inflation is theft. Because when you hear theft, you picture a burglar in the night breaking into your house and taking something from you. And that isn't what happens with inflation. With inflation, the money printers, even though it's not really like dollars being printed, but the the people that have the power to make more money, make more money, and then they get some of what if they get some piece of that to, to put it towards whatever projects they get there, whatever they want with it. And the reason it's theft from the you and the me and the regular people is that our ability to buy the things that we want 
is reduced. So it's not theft in the direct, oh, I reached into your pocket and pulled out something of yours and now I have it because I clearly took it from you. That's a theft that we can understand. It's a couple steps removed from that. So when people hear that, it, and those extra steps sometimes is, is like, it's it's too much. If you If you have a backyard and there's a fence bordering your backyard, and you see, uh, I don't know, um, some near-do-well come over and kick your dog, it's going to make you upset. You're like, well, what are you doing? I saw you. You came in, you kicked my dog. But if you hear a yelp in your neighbor's backyard, you know that they have a dog, you heard a yelp, all it would take, all you have to do is look over their fence. Oh, there's a, there's, there's a bad guy over there kicking their dog. But for all you know, if you don't do that, it's... I don't know, the dog tripped, the dog just made a noise. You don't know. But all you had to do was look. But a lot of people, they just don't look. So when they hear that inflation is theft, it's sometimes that extra step to look into how, wait, how is it theft? How, 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 how am I being stolen from? Well, you're not being stolen from in the typical sense. You're being stolen from in that you could buy five candy bars on Monday but then inflation happened and now you can only buy four and a half. So you're getting less. And eventually you can buy no candy bars because your money is worthless. You're going to need more of that stuff to get candy bars. And that's what people have experienced to some degree. And they can even look back like, hey, I, I remember back in the day I could go to the store and buy a candy bar for a nickel. And now I can't really buy much of anything at the grocery store for a nickel. I need a lot of nickels to buy stuff. So it's theft in, in, in this weird roundabout way and I, I just I don't think the number uh, enough people appreciate well clearly enough people don't appreciate that or I think there'd be <laughs> an uproar in the streets would Henry Ford say if people understood banking or money there would be riots the ne very next day or something like that yeah I feel um, I find myself in a strange position um, I, I'm not as involved day in and day out yeah. with the Bitcoin community as some, you know, I don't, I'm not surrounded. I don't have any sort of friends or family and I'm not involved in a Bitcoin business and so forth. So I'm kind of out here in some ways. And it's part of the reason why I started the podcast was just to meet other Bitcoiners before I found my local meetup and stuff like that. Um, and so I get exposed to just day in and day out people talking about, you know, I bring up Bitcoin and obviously I hear all the usual objections that we all hear. And it feels to me like even getting into inflation with the with the very um, useful analogy that you've just used, it all just feels so esoteric. Yeah. And if I've got a choice of things to be interested in and I can get a handle on culture wars and I can be Get, I can get interested in the safety of women's spaces and sports and therefore the kind of the trans argument. Or I can go into, um, I can just go out for a, a mountain bike ride. Mm -hmm. Or I, you know, you talked about brilliant uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu and, and you know, what, there's a plethora of interesting, sexy, fun, adrenaline pumping dopamine creating areas to get involved in and um and it just you know really we're trying to make economics sexy and it just feels dry to most people yeah 
yeah. you know, we're getting into macroeconomics and and uh, and I love and and you know and, and I say all that and and I also feel yeah. like sorry, this is where my my brain was going, is that. It's not just that the federal government has a gun to our head, but they have so much sway over the narrative, over what we should be focused on. You know, they've got all their propaganda machines in place via mainstream media, and they've got all their... Um, it feels for someone like me who's so small, it can sometimes feel overwhelming. And then here we are recording on the day that the ETF has been approved. Mm -hmm. And even mm -hmm. to me, that feels esoteric. It feels mm -hmm. theoretical. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel tangible. It doesn't. And I'm a Bitcoiner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you. It's just kind of like, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and I don't want to go into specifics, but... Um, Let's see how how can I I'm gonna change some numbers. It's kind of like the, the, you hear the stories like the names and and dates or whatever have been changed have for been the, the safety safety of the yeah exactly. So a year and a half ago, my wife and I had five dollars total. Like again, the numbers have been changed to keep the things that you wrap your head around and make sense. Whatever we had five dollars, and that's the the value of our car everything, all my 401k, absolutely everything. Our, our net worth was $5. Find out a bit Bitcoin, take out the, 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 the dollar that I had in my 401k, take out this, take out all that, put it into Bitcoin. And I just did the math yesterday. It was real simple to do. You go to sat, type in Google sats calculator, whatever you type in, how many sats you have. And it tells you based off of the current price. And it was over like $25. Like, wait a minute, how did we go from $5 from everything that we had to five times that in a year and a half? Like, I don't, I don't, I understand there was a, a, a good chunk, like maybe a, a fifth of our net worth in, in, in the, the, the 401k. And we took that out. So yeah, sure. That, that, that's sizable right there. But where in the world did the, did the other 20 come from? I, I don't, how did this happen? And I think it's just from every paycheck i i i go put a little bit here put a little bit here and Swirl the way i just started doing that before i'd even listened to the book the richest man in babylon and the number one lesson from that book it's pretty short it's this whole story about this guy yeah. in babylon he's very familiar with it uh yeah i can't remember if i've read it i i mean i've known about it for years and years and i think <laughs> i've read it along the way but i i just can't remember he's got these different stories and he's like tells this guy but the main one is pay yourself first and some people might go, oh, well, I do. As soon as I get my paycheck, I go and get something cool that I like and I've been waiting for it. No, 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 no. That's not what paying yourself first is. Paying yourself first is putting some percentage of what you just got in the 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 bank of me. Not buying something, setting aside that money. And this is where inflation comes in. But if you put it in something that isn't stealing from you and can steal from you, I'm going to go back to that gold prospector that I mentioned ago with with his competition of the giant enterprises because I forgot to tie that up with the, the, the flip side, the Bitcoin version of that. But if you do have a savings vehicle that isn't able to be stolen from, then apparently it causes your network to go up. And somebody might say, yeah, that's cool and all, Dell, but your $25 that you've got now could go down to 10 cents. Yeah, it could. It could. But... 
everything about the the laws of nature and reality. And when I check all the nodes that are up and this and that and the mining and the CC fidelity, I wish more of the these ETF people were self custodying, but whatever they've got it in Coinbase and this fidelity, it's all pointing in a particular direction. And the direction isn't Bitcoin's about to die, despite what Jim Cramer says. Hey, say that more, Jim Cramer. Let's see what happens. Um, it, it points to it doing pretty well. The ET, I don't think that 11 massive entities with something like 20 odd, 15, 20 billion of assets under management would get into something that was dying. There's 30,000 garbage coins that they could have gotten into if they wanted to get in something that was dying. But I don't think that they would have gone to all this work, all the hassle to get into something that was pointless if it wasn't, if they didn't have a, a particular trajectory in mind or saw it going in a particular way. And that way is to make the money. That's that's what these enterprises, these businesses are in the business of doing is making money. So let's go back to that gold prospector real quick for, for a wrap up there. The gold prospector is out there. He's spending his time and energy to try and get some gold. But then the big boys come along. They get way more gold than he does. And they, that, this can keep on going. And who knows how much gold there is, but he's just spending his time. Well, what if the gold prospector instead found this gem? And this gem had this really weird aspect to it. As soon as he touched that gem, he knew for a fact to the core of his being more than the sun is hot and that smacking your head on concrete will hurt and that one day he's going to die to the core of his being that there will never be more than 21 of these gems in existence. And he's got one of them. Well, that's going to be pretty freaking special. And let's say somebody, he, he trades a piece of that gem. He, the, the, there's another really weird aspect of this gem. He can break off pieces of it and give it to somebody else, and then they can take their bits. But you can also reform this gem into a whole one or any part that you want at any time. Like if you take two halves of this gem and you shove it together, now you've got now you've got a, a, a full one. Like it can be dismantled and reconfigured as much as you want. And this is this really weird that way. And anybody that holds it knows that there's only ever going to be 21 of these things that you just know that to the core of your being. As soon as other people start learning about this gem, they're going to go looking for that gem. There's a, but there's still, to your point about what, but about the people that aren't interested, there's going to be a lot of people like, ah, that's <laughs> cool gems, man. Like, I don't, I, I got to feed my kids. I like to mountain bike. And, and my, 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 my wife is into going to the occasional ballet. Like, but you have fun with your gems over there. No, you don't understand. This is what Bitcoiners sound like. You don't understand. It can't be destroyed. And you can take it apart. You can put it back together. And then I can also like shove it into my head and it'll magically appear in somebody else's head across the world. And they can pull it out of their head and they can dismantle it and share it with their friends and they can put it back together. And it, you, you know that there's only ever going to be 21 million as soon as you touch it. Cool, dude. I got to go feed my kids, as I just said. And I'm going to go on a mountain bike with my buddies this weekend. So have fun with your gems. Like I don't really care what it does no it's basically ma it's magical man it's a magical gem again i don't care i don't care and that's most of the eight billion people on this planet it's like cool gems dude <laughs> maybe if i start getting paid in that gem where i work i i guess i'll start buying my food in in your magical gems but until that happens like i and some of those people, they'll see, oh, did you know that the price of the magical gem has gone up to this amount? Ah, I guess I should have gotten some. I guess I should have listened to that wacky guy, but I still got to feed my kids and I'm still interested in going on mountain bike trips. So whatever. I, I I just think that that's 
that's where most people are at when they hell most people don't even know anything about these bitcoin etfs my co-workers they wouldn't know a thing about it if you go and look on news you go to google news and see what's there it's not there there's other things the kardashians this and something else happened you know that the middle east is still in turmoil oh big surprise and there's something else and the u.s is sending more money over to ukraine and like the Bitcoin ETFs, even though it's big, big, big news for Bitcoiners, for the rest of the world, it doesn't even exist. It's nothing. It's it's not even on their radar. I love the magic beans, magic <laughs> gems analogy. <laughs> and it and it is magic beans because it grows. So just to to go beyond, um, just to to. <clears throat> extrapolate on your magic gems, you know, it's magic beans. And I was just thinking before what I was saying about the battery thing as well, and it's like I can invest my time and energy in a sieve or I can invest my time and energy in an amplifier. <laughs> and and I, Or I can invest my time and money <laughs> in, um, in a standard bean that and we're, and we're growing, you know, it's summer here in Australia and, and our garden is going off and we've got tomatoes and we've got yes. cucumbers and we've got beans and we've got spring onions and it's, in, you know, carrots and like it's all going off in our backyard right now and we've had brilliant rain and brilliant sunshine and we've got a bumper crop this season, right? It's fantastic. But, but you know, next year... Or last year, in fact, last year was a rubbish year. Mm. We got relatively few tomatoes. We could not believe what went wrong. We huh. just did not understand, and we get rats. I mean, sometimes our cat catches them, but the rats will come and eat, and the possums will come and eat our tomatoes. And so you've got to stop your crop from getting, you know, from getting eaten or from being um, uh sort of withered away by too much sun or not enough rain or too much water and drowning out or whatever. And, and all of those are like sieve effects. Mm -hmm. And so I can invest in regular yeah. um, investments or, you know, and I'm going to say cash as one of those investments. So we've got cash shares, stocks, uh, shares and stocks, one of the same, uh, gold, real estate, fine art, all those standard investments, and it might grow like this season's bumper crop, yeah. or it might wither away and die um, because I've had to take a high-risk investment to keep up with inflation or because I've just invested in cash, which is guaranteed to bleed out. Or I can invest in these magic beans, <laughs> which are guaranteed because we know there's that hard cup at $21 million to reach the giant layer in the sky. And that and and would be a bumper crop crop for life with all the magical mystical foods. <laughs> yeah. I think the last thing that a lot of people get hung up on when they hear about Bitcoin, you maybe maybe you get them all the way to this point and they're like, okay, cool, I, I'm I'm with you, but it's still computer code. And somebody can change it. I, I go to my favorite website and they've changed the, lay, the, the layout. Like, what, what's to stop? I used to like going to whatever, 123.com because it's, I could go and I could put in my math problems. And I liked how they had the calculator here. And it was real simple for me to navigate. And then, I mean, I imagine most people that have used the Internet have experienced this. You, you've got a, some websites that you go to. And then 
they change something. Maybe it's as, as simple as changing the settings and you wanted to go and change your profile picture and you've done that a number of times and you go here and you click on settings and it's right there, profile picture, but now it's not there and the settings, you got to go, it's, it's somewhere else and it's changing. Like, why, why'd they change this? Well, if it's that simple to change a website and it was one way one day and the next day you wake up, it's, it's different. Why, why won't Bitcoin be, why, why isn't Bitcoin any different? And I don't know that it's within the, the scope of this conversation, but that's, that's where we get into the, the talking about why Bitcoin is different in how nodes and why the dis decentralized nature and kind of what I talked about earlier, where it's this kind of um, strange amoeba type thing. It is kind of like a fungus where it doesn't matter if you shut it down in China. Yeah, the price took a dip there and the hash rate took a dip because that was where a large percentage of the, of the hash rate was. But all of those ASICs then, well, not all of them, but many of them moved to other parts of the world. And then they the hash rate came back online. So it doesn't, it just, it finds a way because it's going to keep on existing. And now with these ETFs, the biggest thing that I'm interested to see with what what happens with these ETFs isn't the price. Yeah, that'll be an, an, an indicator of a lot of things because there's so many things that it's kind of like the, the tangible aspect that there's the soul of Bitcoin is massive. And what we can see right away is the price. What is the price doing? Well, the price is an indicator of so many other things. Like you could just look at the price and like, oh, it's going up. It's going down. Why is that happening? I have no idea. Well, if you look a little bit deeper, maybe it's tied to the ETFs. Maybe it's tied to this. There's going to be so many things happening behind the scenes that you might not even, well, no one person could know them all. But if you had a, a God's omnipotent view of things, you'd be like, boy, this is happening and that's moving and all these different things are happening to cause the price to do what it's doing. There, There is some answer to that question. But what I'm interested to see is how the rest How I would come at this from a different angle. 11 of the largest asset managers in the world saying we want a part of this, we want to participate in no. this system is guaranteed to signal. It might be a little while before it's signaled, but it's guaranteed to signal to other people, hey, this is a thing and it's here to stay. So I anticipate in probably not this year, but in some year in the not so distant future when Fidelity people are coming to various workplaces to talk about, hey, how do you have your 401k set up? We've got this low risk, the high risk, and where depending on where you're at, your age, you know, you want to aim to retire at X years, and this is where you're at. Okay, let's get you into this. Somewhere along the line in the not so distant future, somebody's going to go, well, we've also got the Bitcoin offering. So do you want to put a percentage of that there? Oh, yeah. You know, my, my cousin's always talking about Bitcoin. Sure. Yeah, let's do five. 5%, that's what you recommend. Hey, you know, I don't know. I've been hearing about it long enough now. I, I kept on thinking it was going to go away, but what is it? We're on year 25 now? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do 10% there. And that is going to just keep on happening. And then, oh, this person, they've got a, a miner. And I, I, I hope, I don't know if and when this is going to happen, that we start seeing miners securing the network in so many different aspects and helps keep this thing alive and going in and furthering its existence by having miners and producing heat in, in HVAC systems. Oh, I've got my house po powered by a, a bit, whatever, 300. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've got, I got the last year's or the last generation, the 250, still pretty good. Uh, the heat is great. I love the heat, but 
Um, it's a little bit noisier than 300 and I don't have quite as much hash rate. So I only see three sats every, every two weeks. Oh, that's not, yeah, that's pretty good. I see, you know, four or whatever, those conversations. I, I don't think that those conversations are too far away. And when I say too far away, it might be 10 years, but that's not very long. It's not very long. It might be as soon as five years, but I do think it's going to happen. And I think that these ETFs are going to start pushing things further in that direction. I think it'll, it'll, uh, well, I don't know what it's going to do, but it'll be interesting. That's for sure. I think it will change the narrative. Yeah. I think that's what it will do in the short term. Yeah. And what it what we've got is basically SEC approval for Bitcoin as an asset class, which means, I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't come down hard on people self-custodying yeah. their yeah. own Bitcoin. It it doesn't rule that out, and that may have been part of the deal that's gone on with the, you know, we just don't know what the, but I wouldn't have thought us small-time, you know, uh, self-custodiers are enough of a threat in our own right. So we'll have to see how it plays out, but it certainly changes the narrative in the short term. What it means in the long term in terms of I mean, we're getting into a completely different conversation here now, um, yeah. uh, which I don't especially want to get into. But in terms of things like the big guys hoarding, mm. you know, um, what that means for the for little folk is another question. But you know, the thing is, it's divisible, and there's a market can go on outside of. Um, whatever, even the ETFs are hoarding. So I, I don't quite know. Nobody knows how that's going to play out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this is going to be maybe one of the most interesting and influential years in Bitcoin because of the double whammy of these ETFs being approved now. And then now we've got the lead up and to the halving is going to be, it'll be interesting for sure. It'll be nothing short of, of a roller coaster ride. And um, yeah, it's feeling bullish. It's yeah. feeling exciting. Um, and uh, who knows what games they'll play along the way? Because they, we, we know for a fact that uh, their brain has been molded by the fiat system. The games they play are fiat games, and all of that is yet to be played out. But meanwhile. Have you got any final words you'd like to throw into this conversation before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I, I my final words would be Bitcoin is as real as any other investment. It's as real as fine art. It's as real as gold, cars, what, whatever, real estate. It's just not real in the way that you're used to. And I think that's where the human mind kind of runs into this wall and goes, wait, how can that be true? How can it be as real as gold? but different than gold. It's just real in a different way. It's real like Santa Claus is real or Batman's real. You can't tell me that Batman's not real. He's been around for 80 years. He's outlived thousands of people and he's not going anywhere. Like he's, he's more real than I am. I'll die and be forgotten way before Batman is dead and forgotten. Like So Batman and Santa Claus and Superman, they're way more real than I am if you look at it from a certain perspective. I like that a lot. That's a beautiful note to finish on. Um, Delio, what a joy. Uh, loved having you on the show. Look forward, I hope, to many more conversations like this. We have many topics to cover, oh, yeah. many questions to answer. 
and I love the way that you think and that you articulate and that you um, exemplify and visualize uh, these concepts. So thank you for joining me. Be well. Uh, have a gorgeous week. Exciting to see what happens and plays out here with the ETF. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on. You go to work, you do labor, and you get rewarded in money for it. You earn pounds, you earn dollars, you earn euros, and so on. If you were just to take that money and do the thing that is, um, what's what's the right word I'm looking for? And you were and you were to be thrifty, right? You're not someone who's just out there spending money they don't have and blowing everything that they make, right? You want to be. You want to be you want to be thrifty. You want to be smart with your money. You want to save for the future. If you were to take those dollars, those pounds, those euros, whatever currency it is, and be like, all right, I'm going to be a diligent saver. I'm going to put that in the bank. I'm going to put that in the bank for the future. I'm going to put that in the bank for the future. 20 years later, after all that saving, you now have less money in real terms than you did before. 